Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Coming up on today's edition here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, Chase Thomas Podcast Network, CTPN. Yeah, we got Fangraphs, John Taylor. Uh, talking all things Major League Baseball. No, it's not Thursday. It's Friday with John. But we uh, had a little bit of a scheduling uh, change this week with the way my schedule works. So we had the full ride with, on all things college football with Matt Green yesterday that you can find on this very feed. But you got John here on the Friday show uh, to talk all things Major League Baseball. We talk about the Tampa Bay Rays and what they need, which is uh, bullpen help. Uh, Jordan Lyles on his way to one of the worst uh, seasons uh, of any pitcher for the Royals. Uh, the Royals in general and why they're sneaky, really, really bad. And the athletics are shielding a lot of criticism. Uh, Trey Turner need to get hot, Braves, Brewers, all that and more with John Taylor talking all things Major League Baseball. Plus, old friend, Caleb Sines, uh, formerly a 48 Minutes of Hell, uh, a great San Antonio Spurs website that should be brought back. Please bring it back. And all the ESPN True Hoop NBA blogs. That that was a great time. So NBA True Hoop OG Caleb and I uh, talked all things San Antonio Spurs, them getting Victor Wimbignana, how he fits in with this core, uh, how this changes Greg Popovich's timeline as head coach in San Antonio. But uh, yeah, a lot of fun talking all things Spurs with, uh, with Caleb and life and everything else. So uh, fun show for you guys with John and Caleb today. And as always, if you're uh, listening to this episode for the or this program rather for the first time, uh, please make sure you hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or however you are listening, so you never miss an episode daily update. So make sure you're locked in so you don't miss those. If you're already subscribed, first thank you, but uh, also make sure you hit that uh, five star rating and a review on apple Podcasts or spotify if that is how you're listening helps other people find the show and it helps this very show continue to grow if you have any major league baseball questions for john and i if you would like us to answer those on a future mailbag show please 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 uh send us an email at chase thomas podcast at gmail.com and we'd be more than happy 
to answer those on this very program. Uh, let's see, was there anything else? Uh, YouTube, youtube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast. We're probably going to hit the thousand mark today or tomorrow, so make sure you're subscribed there. You can check me out. I was on Talking Balls last night to talk all things Tennessee balls on that great show. So you can find me there um, talking all things Tennessee football um, on the Talking Ball show on YouTube. So all over the place this week. Um, but thank you as always for your support. And uh, yeah, let's do this thing. Uncle Darren, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas, coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, Everything School HQ, over there in New York City, John Taylor, Fangraphs.com, who was able to muster it, uh, even after coming off the IR here, um, the IL, I guess. Yeah, is it IR or IL? I was gonna... it's, it's IL for baseball. IR yeah. is football and, I think, hockey. I don't yeah. know what the NBA calls it. I don't know why they're allowed to just pick and choose from league to league. It make should, it unanimous. It make it yeah. uniformity. It should be yeah. It should be standardized across leagues. The injured roster. The injured. They call it the injury barn or something. There you go. Um, coming off wisdom tooth surgery. I still have my bottom two that I refuse to get out until they make me get them out um and strap me in a chair john taylor are you now done or do you still have two left i still have so i got out top right and bottom right so i still Mm. have the two on my left side left okay um but i did not have a choice as to whether the bottom right one came out i had a some rather significant dental pain last week went to the dentist and they said straight up yeah that thing's gotta go yeah so uh i gotta say for those who've never had their wisdom teeth out it sucks there Mm. is no redeeming experience to it it is just the only wild thing to me is that I, I've never had a tooth pulled or extracted or anything like that. Mm. So I was mostly unaware of how the process went. And the way they do it is they apply local anesthetic mm-hmm. and then pull the teeth. And I had figured, okay, there's going to be some kind of fancy machine to do this <laughs> or some kind of like really advanced. No, they literally just pull your teeth out of your head. They like crack your teeth and just yank them out of your head. Like at one point they took a hammer and just like... Like, right there on the side. And, like, that's how you get rid of teeth, apparently. It's, it's it's borderline medieval. Like, I don't think tooth extraction, at least in terms of the tools used and the methods used, has changed in, like, a thousand years. The only difference is now you get local anesthetic, so you're not conscious. or Well, I'm conscious, but you're not, you know, in hideous pain the entire time. So you uh, weren't asleep. You were awake. No, just no, not, they, you don't, don't feel they, don't put you, they don't put you under for that one. Oh, so you didn't feel anything, you just heard the sounds. Yeah, so I could feel it if only because, you could, you know, they're pulling something. You can feel it like your, you know, your jaw being moved around and, like, there's pressure and pulling and, and tension and whatnot. But there's no pain. It's just... Oh, I would have been grabbing stuff to, like, knock me out. Like, just grabbing <laughs> the pan to just be yeah, like... Yeah, just taking the local anesthetic and just jabbing it directly into my <laughs> forehead just to try to see if I can get it into my brain. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, cannot necessarily recommend wisdom teeth. The other part of it is, obviously, since they, you know, take teeth out of your head, uh, you have to eat soft food for a little mm-hmm. bit because, they, you know, they don't want you chewing, they don't want you as much, and they don't want you eating, especially, and they don't want you getting stuff in the, the cavity where your tooth used to be. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of pudding and ice cream over the last week. 
Okay. Which I guess is the one upside, but the downside is I haven't had, like, a sandwich in, like, eight days, and I could mm. really go for a sandwich. You know, I've just been thinking about all the sandwiches I've missed out on <laughs> and how much I miss them. What's going to be your first sandwich when you get them back? That's tough. I'm thinking maybe a Cuban. Okay. Could really go for a Cuban sandwich. If not that, a chicken parm. I feel like those are the top two. You can never go wrong with the chicken parm. No, those, those I think, are the top two at the, on the table right now. There you go. I like it, um, which naturally leads us, John Taylor. You've had naturally. a couple weeks to sit on this one, my good Freezing. friend. You've had a couple weeks. Take Graphs is oh, back. yes. Take Graphs is back. What Take is the graphs. John Taylor two weeks away take of the week here in Major League Baseball? Uh, that, so I'm just cleaning my camera off. Mm. Uh, my This week's take is, in my mind, the Tampa Bay Rays are going nowhere unless they fix their bullpen. Ooh, I, th- I for a minute there, I knew you were expecting. I was just going to stop at the Tampa Bay Rays are going nowhere, and just that, I, like it, it was a little jarring, John. It, little I can under, I can understand why. And look, I mean, the Rays clearly have been the best team in baseball so far this year. I think the only other team in the conversation right now is the Dodgers, and they've only just kind of begun to make their way there. Mm. But you know, you look at the standings where they are right now. Tampa Bay is only three games up on Baltimore. I guess Baltimore is the other other team that, uh, and weirdly enough, Texas that can get into that best team in baseball conversation. Mm. Uh, only three games up on te- on Baltimore, only five games up on the Yankees and the AL East. The Yankees have been on fire the last uh, about two weeks or so. Uh, not a great month of May so far for the Rays. Uh, and the large part of that is, as I said, the bullpen, which and this, is, I think, is the, the thing about the Rays. For as long as they've been doing this thing where we constantly are like, they're not going to be any, you know, they're an 80-win team. They're just not stars on this team. There's not enough Every year they're better, and a large part of that is always because their bullpen outperforms pretty much all expectations. Has not been the case this year. If you look at their stats, they are 29th in their bullpen, uh, to be clear for mm-hmm. all of this. 29th in the league in Fangraphs war, negative 0.5. By the way, uh... It should not be hard to guess who's last in the league in bullpen war. Who's last? Mm-hmm. Mets? The Oakland A's. Oh, Oakland A's. See, they don't even count. Like, I just they assume are, they're at the bottom of everything. They are okay. two wins worse than than the Rays' bullpen. The Rays the- are orders of magnitude closer to first in bullpen war than they are to 30th, and they're 29th. That's how We're, bad the Oakland bullpen is. What's the last? What's the bottom five? Uh, In terms of overall war? Mm-hmm. For relievers? Okay. Mm. Uh, the overall war... Oh, whoops, I'm looking at... I had all these leaderboards open on, on Fangraphs, but I was over on the, the pitch modeling ones. Uh, bottom five in war, Oakland, Tampa Bay, the Giants, the Brewers, and the White Sox. Hmm. With the Nationals just ahead of Chicago. Um, I don't know if... And that's before... Uh, that's as of with Tuesday stats. Um, so, yeah. Who's the best? The best by war is the Orioles, unsurprisingly. They have a very huh. good bullpen. Colorado Rockies, third in bullpen wins <laughs> above replacements. Sure. Look. But anyway, Tampa Bay, 29th in Fangraphs mm. War, 24th in ERA at 448, uh, 30th in strikeout rate. That, I think, is the big one. It's just 17.6%. Consider that Baltimore, the league leader in that one, is a 28.8%. Mm. Uh, Tampa Bay is 26th in WPA, or win probability added, which is a stat that basically just measures how much a given player, or in this case, unit. Um, what was I going to say? Where a given, how much a given player or unit adds in terms of basically the w- amount of win probability they whether it basically is just a really quick and dirty way to say this guy helped, this guy hurt. 
Mm. Um, similarly, Tampa's 27th in win probability by leverage index, which is just kind of a, a good way of figuring out how they've been performing in high leverage situations, which is to say poorly. Mm. Uh, home run rate of 1.112 per nine compared to that to the league leader Seattle at 0.45. Uh, weirdly enough, fine in the batted ball stats and the second lowest batting average on balls in play in the league. So this isn't a matter of either balls getting crushed or balls finding holes. This mostly just seems to be that Rays relievers can't really get consistent outs when they need it. And I think a lot of hmm. that, uh, you can see it in two ways. One of which is, I just mentioned our, our pitch modeling stats on fan graphs, both uh, pitch bot and stuff plus, mm-hmm. uh, which basically assign overall grades on a kind of basically in the same way that era plus and wrc plus work which is to say establish an average and then you know above that is good below that is bad with you know each number giving you kind of a rough idea uh ray's bullpen ranks pretty low in both stuff and location by the stuff plus model and i think that makes sense when you look at who is in that bullpen right now i mean you look per our depth charts you know pete fairbanks and jason adam have both been pretty good for the most part but then you know, it's guys like Kevin Kelly, Trevor Kelly, Ben Heller, Cooper Criswell, Zach Littell, Jake Diekman. Like, these are not good relievers. And these aren't even, it's not even these aren't good relievers. These are not, these are not even average relievers. Guys like mm. Littell and Diekman, these are bad, straight up bad relievers. And really, when you're Tampa, like, granted, you know, they have had so much success in taking pitchers like that and, and making them into something better, but you're really asking a lot when it comes to guys like Jake Diegman for that to be the solution. So, But is know, it enough to sink them? Isn't that where you want to be? Isn't that like just the traditional Major League Baseball cliche that like if the only thing that's preventing you from a deep postseason run come MLB trade deadline time is a bullpen that needs work, then you're in really good shape because that's the, and, hard, that's the easiest thing to address at the trade deadline. And I, I think you're right, and I agree with that, that, you know, for as much as it's, you know, I'm saying Tampa goes nowhere without addressing their bullpen, like you said, addressing the bullpen isn't all that hard. And again, Tampa has shown a lot of skill in the past in taking guys and finding these kind of hidden gems. I mean, again, Pete Fairbanks, Jason Adam, before him, Andrew Kitteridge, before them, Nick Anderson, like, those are not, those were not household names when the mm-hmm. Rays found them, and they turned them into very, very efficient relievers. The thing I worry, or the thing I wonder with regards to Tampa Bay is, do they... You know, is that incentive there for them to make that move? This is a team that has never really been all that active at the deadline, at least in terms of adding, you know, uh, immediate contention pieces. Instead, it's been more stuff like, and granted, this trade worked out, has worked out very, very well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the something like the Chris Archer for uh, Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows deal. It's been more stuff like that about getting long-term control. Really, the only short-term moves are stuff like, let's trade for Tommy Pham, you know, which mm-hmm. ultimately didn't work out all that well. Or, you know, the the move they made uh, where they gave up Jake Cronenworth. But, you know, I, I think you're right. You, you know, this is a problem that can be fixed for Tampa. I just, you know, it, it's already, I think more to the point, it's, just, it's already cost them. Again, this is a team that got off to, what, a 22-4 and four start or something? And yet here <laughs> they are only three games up on Baltimore in the American League East, you know? And part of this, again, is the American League East is an absolute juggernaut of a division. You know, the mm. Blue Jays are three games above 500 uh, with one of the best offenses in baseball, and they are last place by eight and a half games. And as I'm just going to keep doing it every single time, they still have a better record than the best team in the AL Central. I mean, if you go through it, the Fangraphs playoff percentage, it's bonkers for the AL East. 95% for the Rays, 42% for the Orioles, who are in second, mind you. Mm-hmm. 81% for the Yankees at 30 and 20. The Blue Jays, you just mentioned, 26 and 23, same as the Red Sox, but... 
the Blue Jays 53% playoff odds and the Red Sox still down there at 24%. But like, that's enough at late May that we can 1000% say all five of these teams can make the playoffs and it wouldn't be surprising. Yeah, I mean, I it would it'd be really amazing if they somehow managed to do that. But the, the fun thing to me is when you look at... Um, I don't mean all of them, by the way. I just mean any of those five combination would make yes. can still very much make the playoffs. It's just been fun. Like, you look at the playoff odds as to, you know, just throughout the AL East and just seeing the, the various, you know, dips for all of them. Mm. Uh, Tampa has held pretty steady. I think the one that is, I think, at this point really worth looking out for is the division one. Mm. Uh, Tampa was as high as 74% basically back on May 5th. They're down to 63% now with the Yankees being the, the major benefactor of that one, beneficiary, I should say. But, mm. you know, there there is time, obviously, for the Rays to deal with this. It's just they very clearly have slowed down, although uh, at, literally as I say that, Jose Siri hit a home run, so they haven't slowed down at all. And Todd um, Bradley just got caught up. And you know they and like that's the thing there are still the pieces within that system like Tosh Bradley got called up Tyler Glasnow is someone who's going to be added to their rotation relatively soon. Um, Both you know, good are, for uh, the Rays and for people that want to look at beautiful people. Exactly, but I, I do think this if you're gonna tr- if you're gonna identify a problem spot with the Rays and I think similarly their their rotation is also an issue with Jeffrey Springs and now Drew Resmussen out uh, presumably both for the year and Springs definitely out for the year Resmussen probably at this point. But I, I do think that bullpen is something where, because this is also is not a matter of like, oh, this is, you know, a good a good group of guys where it's like just one of them is struggling and some guys are. This is a there are a lot of arms in that bullpen that are just not major league caliber, mm. and I think that more than anything, kind of worries me because it's not just a matter of adding one or two relievers. Really, realistically, Tampa Bay needs to add like three solid above average major league relievers at this point if they if they want I think any real chance of emerging not just as the as the division winner but also you know securing a championship for themselves it's the bullpen is a real real problem for them right now and in looking at the group the personnel that they have you know I I don't see it essentially I essentially don't see it fixing itself you know it's funny too to think that like they get the they get off to the best start in franchise history right and one of the best starts in an MLB history Right, and there's still want that. Like we're in late May, and it already looks like there is a strong possibility. Like they'll make the playoffs, but they're not hosting, and they're in the wild card. Yeah, there's round. there's a good chance that the Rays get off the best start in franchise history and end up losing the division. Still, yeah, you know, again at the AL in most is, divisions, is, is, this would have been wrapped up. Like in just about every other division, this would have been well, wrapped in, up. If the twin, if the Rays were in the AL Central, for example, mm. they'd be leading the Twins for first place by eight and a half games. <laughs> You know, if they were in yeah. the NL Central, similarly, they'd be about eight games up on Milwaukee. Like, yeah, you know, they wouldn't necessarily be running away. I don't think with any other division at this point. I mean, they'd be about the same up on Texas, Atlanta, and the Dodgers as they are mm-hmm. on the Orioles right now. But yeah, if any, unsurprisingly, this has turned into us yet again talking about how the Central divisions are the worst divisions in baseball and should be abolished and sealed in lead canisters and left in a nuclear waste site. Look, we we tell, we call it like we see it. And speaking of things we call like we see, have you gone through? Because sometimes I just like go through the fan graphs, uh, just different player pages, and see how different guys are doing this year, John. Mm-hmm. And I stumbled on Jordan Lyles. Okay, out there, he's thirty-two now. Yes, Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Look, this man has been in this game a long time. He's made a lot of money over his career. He's on pace for one of the worst seasons I've ever seen from a starting pitcher who I think is going to get a bunch of innings on a terrible, terrible... Like, the Royals are the biggest benefactor of the Oakland A's being off to the wor- one of the worst starts in MLB history. Like, 
that is something that I think is worth noting. Yeah. They are horrific in a horrific division, and the A's are obviously just gross in a multitude of ways. Yes. And it's shielding the national media from really attacking what is going on in Kansas City yeah, because I... they should not be this much of a dumpster fire this year. And not only are they a gigantic dumpster fire, Jordan Lyles is just out here pitching and pitching and pitching. 0-8, John Taylor. 10 games started to this point. 7.15 ERA, 6.08 FIP. I'm just like going through his stuff. His BABIP's not even bad. It's 247. No. His, yeah. like, I'm just looking at everything. And I'm like, it's just horrible all across the board. I'm like, what is his final line going to be? Because I feel like it's going to be unreal well, how like bad this is going to end for him. Like you said, he he's in this position because the Royals just desperately yeah. need pitchers. And I think when, I remember when the Royals signed Jordan Lyles, Michael Bauman wrote about it for us at Fangraphs, mm. and his main takeaway was, look, someone has to pitch the innings. Mm. Like, the game literally has to, like, otherwise the game literally doesn't end. <laughs> and that is, one, that says a lot about, I think, the Kansas City Royals for 2023. Mm. But in particular, I mean, you look at what that rotation is right now, and it's like, you know, the, the Royals rotation right now, I know we we're going to talk a bit about the Royals later, but... um Beyond, beyond Lyles, it's Zach Greinke, it's Brady Singer, it's Mike Mayers, who I mm. quite literally had never heard. Oh, no, that's right. He used to be a reliever with the Angels? Why is he in the Royals starting rotation? What is happening? Um, and again, they're young pitching. I mean, Chris, some of this is like Chris Bubich blew out his arm after looking very good in uh, to start the season. That's rough. Mm-hmm. Daniel Lynch coming back from a strained shoulder, not there yet. Uh, Brad Keller, also not a good pitcher particularly, but coming back from a shoulder impingement. Mm. Um, but you're right. I mean, the Royals, they've been a disaster. Lyles is going to keep getting those starts because they are a disaster. I mean, I'm just looking at, I, I had not really, as the Royals are 15 and 35. I, I had That's not what I'm re- saying. That is the They're second awful. worst record in the majors and by a good margin too. Like for as much as Oakland is significantly worse than the Royals, the Royals are significantly worse than every, like the yes. next worst team is your pick of the Nationals, Reds, or... I guess the White Sox and Rockies, but even there, at least something approaching. Let's just do our spotlight here for the Royals. Okay. This is a natural transition. Why are they this bad, John? Uh, I mean, we've talked about it in the past, but a large of it is just the player development has gone completely haywire. Yeah. And I think, you know, the fact that, again, Jordan Lyles is not just in this rotation, but also is more or less a guaranteed spot no matter how badly he pitches Mm-hmm. says a lot about that you know it's one thing to have Granky back for the you know for the the sentimental value and to let him retire as a royal I got one I got no problems with that and two Granky's actually been mostly fine this season you know he is far from the royals at almost 40 and what his numbers look like at this point and yeah, somehow throwing still 85 miles an hour like <laughs> it, it's honestly remarkable that he's still doing this yeah but uh, again the, the it's a large part of this has just been the pitching development again mm. brady singer has not taken that that major step forward even though it looked like he had started to get there last year it's very clearly taken a step back this year Injuries, like I said, have hurt them with Bubich and with Lynch and with wherever Jackson Kowar currently is uh, pitching mm. in relief now at AAA, which is that guy was a thirty. That guy was a number thirty-three pick in the twenty eighteen draft, and he's already been relegated to relief, presumably for the rest of time. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're at this point wondering about, you know, the the top pitching prospect in the system is right now. Is it still Asa Lacy, who just has gone backwards in terms of his development again? 
there mm-hmm. that development has just not been there. Similar, I think, offensively, where you're seeing a little bit better because of guys like Nick Prado and Vinny Pascantino in particular. Bobby Nick Prado thinks he's going to be a player long term. But again, there's the development there. The Royals Bobby Wood are not out. having a good year at all. Well, the, the the thing the Royals have been churning out with regularity is guys who don't really have any concept of strike of the strike zone or how to control <laughs> it. Like mm. Wit is Wit swings at everything. Prado uh, uh, strikes out a ton. Like guys like Michael Garcia, MJ Melendez, I think has the largest as the highest swinging strike rate in, strike rate in all of baseball. Like you know, and this is part of a, a, a tradition that already includes guys like Sal Perez. It's like you know, you look at the other guys in this lineup: Michael Massey, Michael Garcia, Nicky Lopez. These are not guys. These are not patient hitters. These are not power hitters. These are guys who are basically just slap contact hitters. Mm-hmm. That's pr- the majority of Kansas City's lineup is either slap contact hitters or power bats with enormous swing and miss. There is just no consistency to this lineup offensively, which I think is a large part of why they have one yet to crack 200 runs scored on the season uh, as of Tuesday. As, yeah, because they haven't played yet against Detroit today on Wednesday. So through Tuesday's games, they were still under 200 runs. There are only one, two, three, four other teams that can say that. Who are those four? Uh, the A's at 100. <laughs> the A's are just in every so bad we'll, stat. Just assume they're in every bad stat. So this is the one that blows my mind. Kansas City is only, or Kansas City, Cleveland has only scored 169 runs this year. Nice. Also, I missed Detroit. They've only scored 100. Three of the five teams in the AL Central have yet to break 200 runs. That's not surprising in the slightest. The Rays are at 300. Like this, but yeah, it's it's amazing. Even within the confines of the AL Central, the Royals are this much demonstrably worse. Yeah. But a large part of that too is like the run scored is one thing. The Royals have given up 265 runs this year. That is the second most in the entire major leagues, and I, you do not even need me to begin to tell you who number one is in runs allowed so far <laughs> this season. Is it the Oakland A's? It is. Do you know what? Here's okay. Let's. This is going to be a fun <laughs> game. How many runs do you think the Oakland A's have given up through their first? Now we're at the fifty game mark for them. How many runs have they given up through fifty games? Three oh five. Close, but not enough. 358 <laughs> runs in 50 games. That is over seven runs a game that the Oakland A's are allowing right now. That's so bad. They have a they have a run differential of almost negative 200. That has never been done in Major League Baseball before. Ever. Oh ever, ever, ever. They're 100 runs worse than the Royals are in run differential. That's crazy. I mean, again, I know this is their, this is our Royals moment, but... Yeah. And I don't want to say, like, appreciate we should group the them, A's. Though. But like, I mean, you have to group the A's and the Royals right now to emphasize just how bad the Royals are, that they are in so many shared categories with the worst team in baseball, and it's not particularly close. And not not just the worst team in baseball, but... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? But intentionally <laughs> the worst team in baseball. This is a team that got rid of everyone that mm-hmm. could add any value to them because John Fisher does not care at all about fielding even a competent baseball club in Oakland because he's mentally left Oakland years ago. Mm. The Royals, you could say, are at least still trying to a certain degree. You know, no, that were they out there in the offseason making big additions? Absolutely not. You know, that's not how this team really has ever operated, or at least not since the, you know, Chuck Finley died. Mm. Uh, or not Chuck Finley. Um, <laughs> Charles O. Finley, sorry. Uh, or... Well, Charles does go by Chuck. Okay, I just want to make sure people weren't saying I think that former uh, Cleveland pitcher Chuck Finley and former Cleveland and Angels pitcher Chuck Finley has died um, or is no longer with us or what have you. But point of it all being, the Royals did not come into the season saying, look, we're not even going to try. This is pointless because we don't care. There was ostensibly um, 
you know, a, a desire in Kansas City to be like, hey, let's develop these guys. Let's see what we got in these young guys. Let's, you know, see if we can't make some smart additions on the margin. It just hasn't worked. Mm. And, and again, you get to the point where it's like the player development is bad. The free agent targeting is bad. The player development at the major league level is bad. At a certain point, you, you kind of feel like the only solution here is to turn it all over. Mm. You know, I, I I think when you know when you talk about the Royals, the question just kind of really becomes why don't they seem like they know what they're doing? <laughs> Again, it, it it's it's one thing when it's the A's who are actively not trying. It's another thing when it's a team that just fundamentally doesn't seem to know how to build a functional ball club at either end of things. Again, this is one of the worst offenses in the majors, and the worst non-Oakland pitching staff in the majors. Mm-hmm. That's a really, like, you. they failed on both sides of the ball, and defensively this team isn't any good either. So it, it just, you kind of sit there and wonder, it's like, what are, the, what are the talent evaluators in this organization seeing that is just so different and basically wrong from, from, from everything else? You know, this is yeah. not, and this, this team is not charting a path where you're like, you know, you're, it's like, oh, there's some kind of secret hidden development plan. It's like, no, they just make decisions where you scratch your head and go, well, why would you do that? Yeah. You know, I think it's, it's in a lot of ways, it reminds me of the Rockies and it reminds me of the Tigers, although maybe less so with Detroit now, but still they're, they're in pretty bad shape as well, where the, the decisions that have been made in the past and the player development decisions that continue to be made, you're just kind of, they're perplexing because they just, they just never work out. And at a certain point, it, it's just that Albert Einstein uh, aphorism about uh, the definition of insanity being you know, repeating the same action over and over again and expecting different results. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much what's happening with the Royals. You can't keep doing this and expecting things to change. Like, at a certain point, it's the decision makers who need to change. Yeah. And I do wonder when, wonder when that time comes. Because as we, you know, we said before, Dayton Moore is not in charge here anymore. J.J. Piccolo, his uh, hand-picked deputy, is the one in charge of the Royals front office now. But that line from, from Moore to Piccolo is you know, more or less an unbroken one. Cause again, this was, it was his deputy mm. and it's not changing anything in Kansas city either. The results have not changed with Dayton Moore no longer in charge, you know? And it makes me think that the next step here is just to, you have to clean house because mm. the Royals have not just, you know, struggle with the player development. They've wasted so many high draft picks in the process, you know, on pitchers who are just very clearly not going to work out going forward. Again, Jackson Kowar is already a reliever. Uh, Daniel Lynch is probably a reliever going forward too. You know, if you're if all of this amounts to Brady Singer, who's basically a mid rotation arm at best, and maybe Asa Lacey somewhere down the line, I don't really know how the Royals can look at that and go, This has been a success. And to that point it's like, well then something needs to change. And it does feel like it has to be the people in charge. Um, speaking of something that needs to change, uh the Phillies really need Trey Turner to be good at baseball again. Yes, they do. <laughs> like they, they really Really need Although that they, to I mean, turn around. They got is it that going to be a yearly thing, by the way? Is it just Castellanos and then Trey yeah, Turner, every, and it's just going to be year over year, just horrible big, seasons yeah, from every guys big you free need. Agent, every big free agent the Phillies sign the first year they're there, it's just going to be garbage juice. Mm. Um, I'm actually looking up Harper's numbers in his first year in Philly to see what that looked like, and actually it was mostly fine. But, okay. I mean, definitely a step down from where he had been in Washington to a certain degree, mm. but it was mostly fine. But... Yeah, I mean, granted, the Phillies got Turner to homer today to tie the game against Arizona uh, on Wednesday afternoon and ended up winning that game. So that just goes more to your point. The Roy- or the Phillies really need a good Trey Turner in order to be to be winners. Mm-hmm. It's funny that when you look at Turner's numbers, I mean, the, the thing that obviously stands out where you're like, oh, well, this is the problem. He's just striking out all the time now. Yeah. You know, one of the highest strikeout rates in the majors, one of the highest chase rates in the majors, one of the... Um, 
you know, every everything in terms of swing and chase decisions have all gone the wrong way, and all the contact is equally going uh, in the wrong way. So, you know, it's it really I think is as simple for for the field. Not even simple, but I want to say simple because you know I'm not a not a swing mechanics guy. I have no idea what if anything could be done differently with Turner. Mm-hmm. But if you're the Phillies, there's nothing you can really do. He's just in a really, really bad slump. Mm. You know, I think if there's one maybe potential concern you have as the Phillies, it's like this is the second year in a row that Turner's chase rate has shot up. Mm. And it's, you know, you maybe you're kind of wondering, it's like, okay, well, what's going on with the decision-making here? Why are we at a place where you're suddenly making worse decisions and making less contact? But I also don't think that... You know, I don't think anyone expects Trey Turner to be a 30-plus strikeout rate guy going forward. You know, mm. some of this will change. Um, I think a lot of the two is he's just getting killed on fastballs right now. You look at the numbers he has on them, uh, 282 weighted on base average against fastballs. Mm. You can't hit fastballs your whole, everything is just going to suffer. That is the building block for a hitter is being able to hit fastballs when they are thrown your way. Um, also a large part of why Turner's numbers in the strike zone have collapsed, why his run value in the heart of the zone has collapsed. Again, you need to be able to hit fastballs. And I don't know right now for him if that's a timing thing, a a mechanics thing, just a pure psychological thing. But until he gets that figured out, you know, this is just, I think, how it's going to be. Because Turner, I mean, at the very least with Turner, you know, he's still one of the best base runners in the game. He's still a perfectly fine defender at shortstop. Not elite, but, you know, not, not a disaster by any stretch of the imagination. So, you know, he's not exactly hurting the Phillies in that regard. But... Again, I don't, you know, this is just who Turner is going to be until he manages to correct whatever the issue is against fastballs and stop, you know, and stops chasing so much. I just, I think it's just, I'm more likely, like, Trey Turner's at least shown it where Nick Castellanos, like, we were like, he really might just be this bad now. Oh, yeah, I mean, if you if you want to have a conversation about which Philly should you be more worried about, Castellanos by a million miles. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said, this is second straight year where you're just not really seeing the power. Mm-hmm. And as we've noted many times, he's defensively a, a train wreck. You know, yeah. so these he's he's he needs to add value with his bat, or else he is a net negative. You know. Yeah. Um. I also just, you know, it's funny too. Like Brandon Marsh, who's been awesome for them, right? Yes. Like Brandon Marsh out in center, he's been great. Like, there's now this weird part of Twitter where like Angel fans are like trying to dunk on Phillies fans over the Mickey Moniak uh, development in Los Angeles. What a sad life Angels fans online live, where that those are the kinds of wins you have to take. Right? We got like, Mickey Moniak, and he's actually good. Come on, guys. What are we doing? And it's also, it's not really a dunk, because, like, Brandon Marsh has been awesome. So Philly fans are fine. Like, they were just in the World Series, because partly because Brandon Marsh is awesome. So I think they're fine <laughs> with that move. That's not really a dunk on situation, like you said. This is where Angels fans are, where they're like, ha, you couldn't yeah, develop Mickey Moniak. This, this is what they've got. And I mean, the, the sad thing is you can just shoot back to any Angels fan. You literally have wasted the prime of the second coming of Mickey Mantle. And then you got the second coming of prime Babe Ruth. And you're going to waste that too. It's like, yeah. th- there's probably no group of baseball fans on the earth with the exception of like Rockies. And Ace fans can't even talk trash. What is their... They're, they're all depressed and sad at this point. I think the Rockies fans are probably the only other group of fans where you're like, well, you are not allowed to, t- to like talk crap to any fan base at this mm. point. It's like when you live in such a swamp of mediocrity. But, yeah, it's... The, the Phillies, I, that's kind of the thing with the Phillies. is like, you know, if Castellanos is going to be struggling like this going forward, and, and if, you know, because guys like Marsh, and to a certain degree, it's already happened, they're going to come back down to earth, you know, uh, Alec Bohm is going to come back down to earth. Bryson Stott's going to come back down to earth. It's the elite guys in 
Schwarber, Turner, Harper, and Real Muto, particularly with Reese Hoskins done for the year, who are going to need to make the biggest impact for Philly. And they're not going to get in. They're not really going to get there without Turner being himself. And I think similarly in the rotation, they're not going to get there without Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola being their best selves. There's just not enough depth for them to do that. So, which I think has is, is been the is, has been the issue with Philly when it comes to picking them as a you know a real contender is that the depth has just never really seemed to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I do wonder, and maybe maybe this should have been my take of the week that we all overrated the Phillies based off of a five week hot streak in October that realistically, you know, and I, I don't know if we I think talked still about get it. There. I think it's fine. The Phillies could easily like make some, no, I mean, Zimbrowski's going to do some stuff. They're a good, they're still a good team. And I think, yeah. you know, I think they'll be in the playoff conversation, but I think there was a, a feeling after that world series of, wow, this is the Phillies team. We were all waiting for. Finally, it's all come together. They look like world beaters. It's going to be great. When in reality, it's like they got hot for again, five weeks in October in a format designed almost explicitly for you to be able to get away with not having long-term roster depth. Mm. You know, there's a reason why the Phillies finished where they finished during the regular season, which mm. is to say, you know, slightly above 500 as a wild card team. It's, you know, because they didn't have the depth necessary to to weather all the ups and downs during the season. Again, does that mean that they're that they're you know they're not contenders or they can't win the playoffs? Absolutely not. We just saw it last year. They have a roster that is very good for the playoffs, and they have you know the two aces in Wheeler and Nola. They have that really tough middle of the lineup. They have at least when Jose Alvarado is healthy, a really good uh, shutdown core in that bullpen. But the problem for them is going to be getting there. Yeah, you know because again, just like the AL East, the NL East is um, well, the NL East has been a lot messier and continues to get messy. But it's not an easy division by messy. any stretch. It's just the Braves are the best team again. Like, every year. We, well, everyone the, just th- keeps trying not to give the Braves the NL East. And the Braves are just going to go 14 straight again. And it's just, they're going to be favored, or before the year, they're going to be picked to win it, like, six of those times. Right. I mean, I think, I, I can't remember what exactly my predictions were before the season, but I'm pretty sure I had Atlanta winning the NL East anyway. Yeah. It's For me, they've, they're in that stage, it's like Trout with, with MVP votes, where it's like, I'm just not going to bet against them because they have to... Someone else has to prove they're better before I just in, before I just assume that the best is no longer the best. I would just like Michael Harris to start hitting again <clears throat> because Michael Harris has been um, struggling. He's been very bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, Atlanta has its own issues. The Max Fried injury is, as we talked yeah. about... He might not be back know, till August. That's a really, really bad injury for them. And yeah. granted, you know, Mike Soroka has looked really good in AAA and might be coming up. Uh, Jared Schuster had a really nice start last time out. I just out. don't trust Schuster. And, but I, I think that's the thing. Like, you're still... Yeah. I, Look, Spencer Strider is one of the five best starters in baseball right now. Absolutely no question. Looked bad last night, though. Um, but then you're then you're relying on Charlie Morton, who continues to look you know more and more mortal as time goes on. You're relying on Soroka coming back from basically two years of not pitching. Although, as James Paxton is showing, apparently that's not a really huge impediment. Yeah. Uh, you're relying on one of Schuster or Dylan Dodd, or ideally both, to to Bryce El- to like hit. Bryce. Um... I mean, uh, Bryce Elder, is, yeah. you're, and that's the other one. You're relying on Bryce Elder to be better than, I think, you know, I mean, not to say that Bryce Elder has been uh, a fluke Bryce necessarily. fine. Like, I think he's sustainable as a five. Like, he's I, That's just, the thing. I think he's a more sustainable, I mean, you look at his baseball savant page, there's a lot of blue. You know? mm. There's This is a guy who is very much over or outperforming his his peripherals. Again, a guy, I think Strong a guy. Aaron Harang energy from. Yeah, uh, especially because this is a dude who throws 90 on average. Like, mm-hmm. this is someone you'd feel far more comfortable with as your fifth starter. Right now, yes. he is the locked in number three on this team. Yeah. And, and granted, you don't want that. That may all. not be the case, but like, 
you know, I feel a little... I think the worry for the Braves is in both Kyle Wright and and Max Fried, you have two guys where you're not necessarily sure they're going to be back this season. Where they're both dealing with arm issues where any setback is going to make it really, really hard for them to get back on a mound. Yeah. You know, um, with Wright for this shoulder that just is clearly not healed properly. Is it weird I'm more confident that Freed makes it back than Wright? I think so, if only because for Freed, this seems to be some kind of one of those kind of fluke arm things, yeah. as opposed to with Wright, where this is clearly an, a, a, an ongoing chronic Like a shutdown for the year type deal and get it Look, right. Look, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if of those two, Wright is the one who doesn't make it back, if, if they only end up getting Freed back. But, I mean, I also do have a lot of confidence that Alex Anthopoulos, by the time the trade deadline rolls around, will be able to solve whatever problem is in front of him. Yeah. I think the, if you're the Braves, part of the issue is you have a lot of problems in front of you right now. The rotation is thin. They seem to have broken A.J. Minter completely. Uh, he has looked horrendous when he's pitched, and I don't know that that bullpen works without him being able to get uh, three to six outs on the regular. You know, you're mm-hmm. already down Tyler Matzik. Rysel Iglesias has been a little slow in Dylan Lee's now been really good for us and he's out Um, yeah it's 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 a and that's the thing like so much of that not only the Braves uh division streaks but also in in recent years but also their championship that is in large part thanks to that bullpen being able to get particularly in the postseason 12 to 15 outs every single night Mm. and I don't know if you're a Braves fan that you trust this current group right now grant obviously it's it's only Memorial Day weekend we're still miles away from the playoffs but you know you especially again with Minter being as pitching as poorly as he's pitched I don't know how comfortable and confident you feel particularly when on top of that the rotation needs help too and like you said there are you know there are issues with Michael Harris has not looked right since coming back off the injured list uh there's an open question as to whether or not you know you're going to get at consistent enough offense out of the DH spot if you're going to insist on using Marcelo Zuna there shortstop seems to be I, I guess has rebounded somewhat now that you have uh, Orlando Arcia back in the mix but it's there are some definite questions in in Atlanta I think the the bonus for them is that the Mets are just as uneven themselves and the Mets and Phillies are just as uneven and that the Marlins really just don't seem to have the juice to make any kind of run no uh I don't think so um either I just I think it's gonna get figured and you know what helps and like I mean not that he needs any more praise, but like Ronda Cunha just being a super world uh, player at the moment. Yeah, imagine it's, clearing it's kind up of, a lot of these issues. It's kind of similar with the Yankees with with Aaron Judge. It's like, can you yeah. imagine where the Braves would be if Ronald Acuna had not just transformed back into Ronald Acuna? Yeah, it's it's a really. I mean, I, I was, he saw he stole his twentieth base <laughs> yesterday. We are <laughs> fifty games into the season, and he's on pace to steal sixty bases. Mm-hmm. That's absurd. He, he he's a genuine threat to go thirty fifty. Yeah. When's the last time someone did that? Ever? <sighs> like, I mean, it, it's it's been a very long time since someone. I think even since we got. Uh, I'm just I'm looking it up now. Just the full mm-hmm. thirty thirty club. Just um, just want to do it by year. Actually, I can't. Yeah. So we had Cedric Mullins do it in 2021. So that, that we did have it recently. I forgot about that. He did it on the dot. Thirty thirty. <laughs> Then mm-hmm. Mookie Betts and Jose Ramirez both did it in 2018, and if you say a single word after that, I will I, I will unplug my mic and walk away. Mm-hmm. The the we've gotten we haven't had a 40 40 season since A Rod in 98, and before him Canseco in 88, and it's apparently pretty clear that to get to that particular level, you needed some level of pharmaceutical help. But to answer my own question, we have never had a 
30-50 season. The most we've the most we've ever gotten, I think, is A Rod's forty-two and forty-six. Yeah, uh, back in nineteen ninety-eight. That is pretty much the gold standard for power and speed, and that's what Acuna is approaching. I mean, mm-hmm. look, there, there's a chance he ends up anyway with something like Alfonso Soriano's uh, cl- like near 40-40 season in 2002, but that's bonkers enough on its own. So, mm-hmm. look, it's yeah, it, it's scary to think for Braves fans to think about where that team would be without Acuna right now, but, you know, there are some genuine issues that need to get taken care of there, uh, again, particularly with, with the bullpen and the rotation. Yeah. I think so too. I just we'll see what happens, but I'm not I'm not really concerned. They're gonna find a way, and they're gonna get healthy, and they're gonna get healthy. Yeah, I mean, that's... and they'll they'll figure it out. If there's one franchise I'm not worried about in Atlanta figuring it out, it's the Atlanta Braves. And I, and I feel the same way. Like I said, Anthopolis is a savvy GM who knows how to target uh, problem areas and how to fix them. I, again, I think the one thing you're worried about Atlanta, if you're Atlanta, is neither Freed nor Wright is a lock to come back. And if you lose one of them for the season, you can survive that. If yeah. you lose both of them for the season, you are in some real trouble down the stretch, and particularly in the postseason. Well, you got Jordan Schaefer, the pitcher, rising through the ranks. AJ, what is it? Schuster, what is his name? He has a weird hyphenated last name. AJ, he's moving up already to AAA. He's gotten his control. Oh, you're, you're, you're the Braves guy. I'm just I'm just over here trying to wing it. In what Braves is his County. name? It's like it's all these hyphenated. What is it? AJ something. AJ Braves prospect. Do they talk to the Braves on Georgia Sports Radio at all? Uh, do they talk to what? Do they, Smith the Braves, Shawyer, by the way. Smith do the Braves? Shawver. Do the Braves get talked about on Georgia Sports Radio? Oh or yeah, is it... all the, yeah, yeah. Okay. They, they have I a was... strong one. The Hawks are the ones who get overlooked. Like the Hawks okay. get. Well, uh, to get be the... fair, they're the Atlanta Hawks, and they're not a real franchise. Wow. Every uh, game they've played has been a figment of our collective imagination. Wow. Um, well, what I'll say about the Braves is like they actually still because there's so many co- like. There's so many Georgia fans who are also Braves fans. Like Kirby threw out the first pitch, I think, yesterday for the Braves. And, like, they do so many different, like, college nights towards like, Tennessee when is, night, Florida night. When is Stetson night. Bennett throwing out the first pitch? It's a good question. He may already have. I don't know. I'm not there anymore. I don't see uh, before games, like, what they're what they're doing. But, I yeah, I don't say, know. I think he's, he's got uh, – I'm just going to steal the joke shamelessly from Spencer Hall. He's got a Kia dealership to promote, you know? Mm-hmm and aj smith shaver was that guy who's rising through the ranks um at 20 years old so uh he's basically the number one pitching prospect in the pipeline so we'll see if he makes it into it wouldn't be the craziest thing because guess what who saw spencer strider being an ace last year for nothing of what michael harris has done yeah and like you know again the braves have a knack for doing this stuff and Worst comes to worst, they can always call up the A's and be like, hey, do you want to give us another really good player for literally nothing? And the A's mm. will go, of course we do, because we're not a real franchise. So that's always an option as well. Yeah, um, I think so too. Oh, look, the dog has made an appearance. This is why you watch on YouTube.com. Yeah, so you can just, every now and then a dog will just pop up on the stream. Mm-hmm. You never know when, but it will probably know. happen. You'll be able to hear them before you see them, but then they'll be there. Absolutely um john yes our last team spotlight here yes the brewers the brewers are they back john the brewers back do they want to win the nl central are they are they going to sell off again come to trade deadline like stop it cardinals you're putting us in a terrible bind once again (laughs) we're gonna have to host playoff games cardinals are making me look like a total (laughs) ass by the way well they should be going out you after I was going out to town on my the Cardinals will not make the playoffs, and here they are, only five and a half games back in this trash division. Only what's their three and a half now? games out of a wild card spot. I'm sorry, what? What what's their playoff odds now on Fangraphs? Uh I was actually just about to look that up. Per our current odds, uh, I don't think this has been updated for well no, they haven't played today, so it doesn't matter. 
But as of oh wait, this is their. Why I, I just I beat shots? you forty four percent. Okay, because <laughs> I just I just clicked on entirely the wrong thing within FanGraphs. Mm. Good job by me, the person who works literally for FanGraphs. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think I mentioned uh, when we did this two weeks ago that they're even when the Cardinals were like twelve games under five hundred, their playoff odds were still like twenty three percent or something. So yeah, I'm not at all surprised that they're already getting close to fifty fifty, uh, from where they are. You know, from just because again, like, and I think it, like you make a good point with the Brewers, where it's like I, I don't know that you can necessarily trust that they are going to to keep this all together and try it. And I think a large part of this is because Corbin Burns is struggling so badly. I mean, look, this is not a this is a team that is in first place in the NL Central despite a negative run differential. So already we're we're off to a place where it's like they you know they are overperforming based on on the available metrics we have, but they're down Brandon Woodruff. Corbin Burns has not looked nearly uh, like his usual Cy Young winning self. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they still have a good you know, good option there in Willie Peralta, but a lot of their other arms have been lost to injury. You know they're about to they're starting uh, Julio Tehran tonight. That's that's not you don't want to be at the starting Julio Tehran stage of the season by Memorial Day. That's not good. Something's gone really wrong if you've... If you, Julio Tehran, who's already pitched for one other organization this year. This is already organization number two for him. The Brewers signed him like three days ago and are just throwing him out there with no anything. Just be like, all right, Julio, go on, buddy. Are you looking up how old Julio Tehran is? Because it is a number that is still far too low for what it should be. No, I'm actually looking at... Because I wanted to double check No, this. I'm going to look it up because it's, it's I was, just going to... He's only like 34 years old or something. It's kind of staggering. He's 32 years old. How is that possible? He came up really young, but I was looking at... Julio uh, Tehran's been in baseball <laughs> since at least 1999. Like, this is... There's no way he's only 32 years old. Well, I was looking because, like... Come he, on, man. He had a streak where... I mean, it was just a thing where... Like, he was never a number one, but he was just always there and just was always available, which matters, but... He just, every year, you just went into the year, like, he's our opening day starter. And I was like, how many did he end up doing? He was the opening day starter, John, from 2014 to 2019. He did six consecutive opening day starts. That's amazing. Glavin and Schmoltz uh, also only did four. Maddox had five. So, just to be clear, Julio Tehran had more opening day starts for the Braves than Maddox, Schmoltz, and Glavin. The all-time record holder is Phil Necro with uh, eight. To way. be fair, when you, when you think about opening day starts, I mean, the Red Sox opening day starter this year was Corey Kluber. He just got demoted to the bullpen today. So That man is cooked. Oh, yeah. he is. That dude has grill marks all over him. You cut him open, and it is just brown <laughs> on the inside. He is he is that Trey Wingo steak. Just wow. Looks, looking like it was cooked with a freaking flamethrower inside of a steel factory. Are you a um, rare or a medium person? I'm a rare, or at the very least, medium rare, mm. um, or at the most, I should say, medium rare. I, uh, I mean, I don't. I should say medium rare because I don't. I don't genuinely or generally like eating rare steak. Mm. Um, there are some, you know, if, if that's how the steak is supposed to be served, okay, fine. Like, you know, I'm not mm. going to say, you know, no, go to hell, pet up. <laughs> but if I'm if I'm just ordering for myself, I'll take a medium rare. If I'm at like a, a backyard barbecue, I'll probably mm. just go medium to be safe, but. Have you seen that meme where it's like the guy at the barbecue who's cooking everybody's steaks or burgers and everything who's like, he asks like, uh, how does everyone like their steak or burgers cooked? Knowing full well that he's going to cook them all the exact same yeah. for everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, why are it's you like no one's going to be able to tell the difference unless yeah. there really is someone there who wants their steak. Hey, either. Johnny, how do you how do you want your burger cooked? 
that okay i'll pull it out individually and then toss that yeah. one and make sure that that one's getting taken care of in a different it's way like, as unless opposed you to have like, unless, the same. unless donald trump is at your cookout and he wants his you know burnt to a crisp well done <laughs> steak with ketchup like no you're 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 not like because you're not going to get someone who's going to be able to tell the difference but um no. but no if he's at your cookout you're getting wendy's but yeah like the the <laughs> You, yeah, just redo redo the uh, the Auburn spread, but just back at him. He's doing that, and he's like, "Look at this spread that I've created for you all." Well, I think this. I think he would like that anyway. I think if you were mm-hmm. to invite Donald Trump to a cookout, he probably would be like, "Can we just get the McDonald's? They make such a great hamburger, <laughs> the best hamburger. Everyone why loves do it, it ourselves? There, it's already been established. Exactly. They already know what they're doing over there. Just pull pull a steamed ham <laughs> and just go get your food from somewhere else. Just save yourself all the trouble and just give him like." <laughs> freaking jack-in-the-box like what does he mm. care that that man's that man's entire diet for the last minimum two decades has been like kfc and the inside of couch pillows <laughs> like who who care he can't that man has no taste buds they all <laughs> they all went on strike years ago and he's his response was okay fine um oh were we God. were we talking about the brewers i remember at this point that's a. This is how useless the central divisions are. Mm-hmm. We get two minutes into talking about them, and we're both like, "This is boring." Actually, let's just talk about steak. Yeah, way more entertaining to talk about steak than the Milwaukee Brewers. But I mean, the Brewers—they have the twofold problem: is um, their pitching has not, or better said, their pitching has been the thing that has always had to carry them. The pitching in the bullpen, mm. or the rotation in the bullpen, rather. The rotation obviously has been a problem with Woodruff hurt and with Burns not not pitching up to his uh, usual capacity. The bullpen, I think, aside from Devin Williams, has not been very good either. That's exposed the fact that their offense is just, again, one of the weaker groups in baseball. Not the worst by it, not necessarily by, uh, by like, leaps and bounds. You know, this is mm. the A's we're talking about. But at the same time, you know, you look at our team batting stats by weighted runs created plus our kind of catch-all offensive metric. Mm. Milwaukee ranks 22nd in the majors with a 93 WRC plus. You know, that's that's not good. That's yeah. just not a good number. And you look at that roster and there's no real reason to think it's necessarily going to get better. You know, mm-hmm. you can argue that maybe, you know, if there's a, a, a kind of a second wind of sorts for guys like Joey Weimer and Bryce Terang, you know, after they've, you know, okay, they've, they've learned the majors. Now they're starting to make the adjustment back to pitching, but both of those guys are also big swingers who were never really kind of lauded as like uh well-rounded offensive types, you know? And mm. similarly, like it, I don't think Jackson Churio is in the conversation to come up yet. The dude is only, I think 20 years old. It'd be a very much a lot to bring him up and basically be like, okay, Jackson, young teenage boy, you are charged with saving the Brewers season. Only you the know, Braves can do that. Only the Braves can do that. Sal Frelick mm-hmm. is hurt. You know, the, the guys who were who would ostensibly be there to pick them up off on offense from in you know internally, they're either already there and not particularly performing, or they're hurt. You know, mm-hmm. so there's not really uh, Garrett Mitchell, another guy, but he's currently uh, sidelined with an injury, uh, which I believe might actually be a season ender. Yeah, he had shoulder surgery at the beginning of May. He's done for the year. That's another mm-hmm. one of their uh, top hitting prospects who will not be able to make any. Uh, any impact going forward and not Milwaukee great. you know as you've said like they sold last year at the deadline this is not a team that ever really spends and never spends in free agency and never really makes the big <laughs> trades you know at the deadline that's not really their their style so I don't really know if you're Milwaukee like what the reason is or if you're a Brewers fan like you know they're in a good spot or a decent spot right now but I don't really know what the what the belief is that this team isn't essentially just going to be 500 going forward is that going to be enough to win it's the like NL the, it's Central? what they want 
but that's the thing. So it's like it's just weird, kind of man. sad that that's what it that's what you just aim for in the centrals. Just be five hundred and hope you get some lucky bounces to turn eighty one wins into eighty five. But that's basically the Brewers' strategy at this point, until mm-hmm. and unless Burns gets better and Woodruff comes back healthy. I just, I think we should all root against it. Like it just would be so boring. The Brewers aren't winning the pennant. Like let's just. They well, don't I, I think win you the could pennant. say that about any central team, with the possible exception of I can't believe I'm saying this, the Cardinals. I mean, they have but... the most upside, but I also think it's wild the Cardinals bounce out of this because I just think they're so volatile that even if they do bounce back, there's so much opportunity for them to bounce back the other way with the Ollie Marmel weird stuff and the back. Like, what was it like the public, whether like keep some stuff should be kept in house? Like, oh, the, 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 the whole airing of grievances with yes. regards to Tyler O'Neill not busting out of the box. Uh, that could happen ball. again this summer. That could happen again. Like, they're Look, just, I, like, I don't get Ollie Marmol as a manager just generally, so I'm with you mm. that I think if there's a significant non-player weak link on the Cardinals, it's probably that, but... yeah. No, look, I, I my I would give all five NL Central teams a collective zero point zero percent chance to win the World Series. You know, they're not good enough teams to do that. Mm. But so yeah, I think it, it's it's almost like at that point, then who cares really who wins the Central? You know, it's going to be either a Brewers team that's trying to do it on the cheap, a Cardinals team that's trying to do it on the cheap, a Cubs team that's trying to do it on the cheap, a Pirates team that's trying to do it on the ultra cheap, or a Reds team that's basically the A's with better PR, like. Is Dancy Swanson the Jeff Blauser of modern baseball? Sure, why not? He's been great. He's been genuinely great in Chicago. It's mm. you know, it's it's funny. I don't I don't know that Atlanta lost that bet necessarily, if only because it was clear that their issue wasn't twenty twenty three, but twenty twenty five and beyond. And also um, Orlando Arcia is is fine. It's is fine. But yeah. um yeah, I mean, I guess I no, I guess that's the thing. RC has been good enough that I don't think even if you ask Anthopolis if you could take it back, would you probably say, "No, nah, we're good where we are." No, because he's going to say like, "We got to pay Michael Harris in a little bit. We got to pay some other well, guys." They already, well, they already did pay Michael Harris. Well, I mean, like other guys, like what I'm oh, saying, okay, like yeah. down the line, because like when that comes up in a couple of years, like there are going to be other guys that they already have in the background that they have to think about paying. Yeah, um, that is they're true. just he's just not a core piece. Like they're going to pay certain guys. And no, and and. And like I said, like their their issue was never how is Dansby Swanson going to perform in twenty twenty three. It's how is Dansby Swanson going to perform in twenty twenty six. Yeah, he's sneaky, almost thirty. Like it's... yeah, I mean that's that's the that is the danger with college bats. Um, yeah, is that you are getting a guy whose peak is that much closer and whose prime will theoretically be that much shorter. But I mean that's why Drew Gilbert will be an Astro come playoff time this year. I don't necessarily disagree with it because Chaz McCormick has been both hurt and, inefe- and inefficient, and then Jake Jake Myers has been better. But I mean, look, Houston. Without getting into Houston's whole mess of problems, Houston does mm. have some problems that Drew Gilbert could be well suited to to fix or at least help. And with. he, like, I just don't think people who are not Tennessee fans or even college baseball fans understand just how much Major League Baseball fans are going to hate Drew Gilbert if he's good. Like Drew Gilbert has the machismo, he has this aura about him. The bat flips are going to be strong. Are you you're you're starting to? It sounds like you're describing Marshall Henderson, but baseball. Yes, but a lot better than Marshall Henderson. Okay, like, that would rule because Marshall Henderson ruled. I was a huge Marshall Henderson fan. Yes. If if it turns out that he did something that has like was subsequently terrible, I'm just saying now <laughs> I didn't know about it. I'm sorry, but the court, the on court persona and character of Marshall Henderson was a giant A-plus for me every time. I loved that level of just absolute, unrepentant shit-talking. Yeah. Um, And, look, Drew Gilbert is going to do that. He is a high-energy guy. He leaves his... Like, he's just going to be... 
someone who in the Astros organization who already has a target on their back, he is a perfect fit because he is going to piss so many people off with the way he plays. Like it's, he's going to be good and it's going to piss people off. Um, but I'm here for it because I will ride for Drew till the end of time. And also because I am a capital J journalist, John, and a fair fan, uh, Marcelo Zuna is wrong. Um, and his stuff is wrong. Like if I'm Will Smith, I would be annoyed too. And you go back and look at the, like he's been hit in the head by him a lot. Like there, it's not like this one time thing. You go back through it and his weird spots and the, no, you gotta, you gotta adjust. If I'm Will Smith, I'm pretty pissed off about that. Like getting hit in the head like that. Over- yeah, I would be too. Like, this is I not a common baseball concussed. thing where it's like, you can't clean that up. Really? You can't, this is not a problem any other major league baseball player is having where they just keep hitting the catcher in the head. Yeah. I've never, I've never heard of this being a consistent thing, especially with one guy, but <sighs> yeah, I mean, it, it does always feel also like Ozuna is kind of in the middle of a lot of this stuff where it's like, yeah. it, it's like that saying, it's like you run into an asshole. Well, that's just bad luck. You keep running into assholes. Maybe you're the asshole. Right. So I, I wonder if something is kind of going on there with Ozuna does not strike me as someone that anyone other than his teammates particularly like. Not a lot of self-awareness, it doesn't seem like there. No, very much not. John Taylor, what can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Fangraphs.com this week? Uh, our most recently released top prospect list, the New York Mets top 37 <laughs> for 2023. I'm sorry, you do the, the Fangraphs list, and she's just, or your dog just whining right as you're doing it. I know, it it's so funny. Such, why, is this, why is this your timing, little buddy? Okay, you're just going to be like this, aren't you? Come here. I just heard like it just I'm imagining if uh your dog could talk if you're like fucking what you're doing an <laughs> ad for fan graphs I thought we were done yeah um <laughs> two minutes all right bud uh our top 37 prospects in the Mets system that just came out today or on uh Tuesday I believe mm-hmm. Wednesday today whatever day it is this is a weekday I don't even know it anymore. is a weekday uh, definitely check that out. I liked Ben Clemens writing about Nolan Gorman and how he's turned himself into one of the best hitters in baseball, speaking of the Cardinals. Uh, I also liked uh, Michael Bauman talking to Zach Gallen about mm. his season to date. He went down to Philly because Bauman is a Philly guy and talked to South Jersey native Zach Gallen, actually. Um, but yeah, so check out the top prospect list. More of those are coming all the time. We're going to have a Cardinals one coming out at the end of the week on Friday. Uh, our St. Louis Cardinals top X prospects. The X stands for a number that has yet to be determined. Um, but yeah, as always, come on over to Fangraphs. Sign up for a membership. Uh, $5 a month, $60 a year for ad-free browsing. Plus you get to support the site. Uh, check out the our recently added merch. We've got new t-shirts plus... And now that the summer is here, mesh shorts for those of you who want to show off your pale, pale legs. Next time you're at the ballpark and want something comfy with the little Fangraphs logo on it, check out our mesh shorts. I Where have asked. This? I'm looking at this. Where is this on the uh, site? Is this is uh, we had a post about it a uh, semi recently, but okay. that actually is a good reminder that we need to we need to update our our store site. Yeah. But um, I have asked about a tank top to go with the shorts. We're waiting to see <laughs> on that. Uh, yeah. check out, we're going to have some more cool new t-shirts coming down the line. I think people will be really into, but yeah, fangraphs.com. Come on over, sign up, get nerd, get nerded, get, get your brain nerded. Get you. I'm, I'm getting better at those. I swear. No, they're good. The fact that people I want are good too. How can you okay. know, like, there's, there's some good stuff here. I like that gray fangraphs, uh, with the green letter font. Yeah. I mean, it's we good. got, we, we, we got some good design on our site. You should. Yeah. Uh, we'll make sure to get the the store link updated with our most recent stuff. There you go. John Taylor, always a pleasure, my friend. And I will talk to you next week.
Uh, sounds good. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas Podcast with, is that, let me zoom in here. Is that a Caleb Signs of a website that no longer exists <laughs> of the ESPN piece. True Hoop Network, 48 Minutes of Hell mm-hmm. himself? Caleb Signs, yep. how are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. The city is uh, still buzzing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a new era. Something happened in San Antonio, Antonio last week? Yeah, yeah, something... Uh, Something that I, I would say only comes along once in a lifetime, but it's happened three times yeah. in, uh, <laughs> to this franchise. So, uh, yeah. Well, we'll get yeah. into that. We'll get I'm into sure. that. I'm sure. Uh, but I wanted to start here. Our last pod, we've never done a video pod, obviously, because yeah. when we were doing this, we were actually doing dial-up internet, I think, was when we first got started here with uh, podcasts, <laughs> essentially. Uh, but you were in a closet. and That's exactly right. You had elderly um, churchgoers <laughs> popping in said closet i don't think that's gonna happen here but when i say i wish we were doing video pods at that time of you having to say wait a second hold on and then this nice elderly woman popping in the screen and then just like looking in like what are what what is this what are we doing um would be great. Be in the dark yeah It'd be in the dark because you were in like a janitor's closet right yeah, it was uh, it was definitely for storage. I think they converted mm. it to an office now. Okay, uh, in a very weird uh, twist of fate. So that was what seven years ago, seven ish. Yeah. Um, so I, I was working at that church at the mm. time. I moved on about five years ago. Uh, we're in the process of planting a church mm. in the same area, and uh, that church opened up that building for us to use, kind of in the this interim. <laughs> year so i was back i've been back in that building mere feet from that closet uh, how is it for, is it the, the same? last few months you know it's it's still uh i miss it we should uh there's mm-hmm. just that space I, maybe i should have gone back there just to record this <laughs> spark some of that old magic yeah i mean a lot's changed over here you're planting churches you're doing the ministry full-time you're singing you have uh <laughs> two kids you got attacked by a scorpion in the bathroom i feel like a year ago I you, did, uh, yeah. <laughs> you're, I mean, I, that story, I remember I showed my wife that where I'm like, this is why we can't live in Texas because Caleb from the pod is over here getting scorpions uh, in his bathroom and just like, you can't even, you, you always have to be on your toes when you're living in San Antonio, Texas. And bugs, bugs just like me. We, uh, we oh. actually just got back from our staff retreat uh, uh-huh. a couple days ago and uh, I was on a kayak mm-hmm. on the Llano River. Mm -hmm. country texas beautiful fantastic weather i'm in Mm -hmm. front of everybody and trying to avoid overhanging branches and i went through these two branches and you know cover my face and i looked down and i've never seen more spiders in my life uh covering my legs and the entire kayak and at that point i realized oh they're probably in my hair and all over my body so i jumped off the kayak after screaming and uh yeah i've got bites on my legs so are you serious so they got you yeah Oh yeah, yeah. I've never. I promise. I, I like there were, you know, it was probably less uh, than what it felt like in my mind. But I want to say there was, you know, dozens and dozens of little spiders. Just I must have hit a nest or something. So that's so kayaking's out. Kayaking's out. Uh, you know, using the bathroom apparently. Yeah. Scorpions also out. So yeah, not a lot of options left other than sleeping. Yeah. 
How has a uh, fatherhood changed your, your Spurs fandom? Uh, you know, um, see Abby first kid knocked mm. out of the park. My first father's day was, uh, the day they won the title in 2014. Mm. So there's not really a, um, that, that sets, you know, an impossible bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, Leland was born five years later, 2019, very different team, uh, you know, post Kawhi. Mm. So, uh, it's just a different era. We, we haven't gone any games as a family yet, obviously. Mm. We'll probably change this year or the next. Okay. Uh, I think I've been to one or two games, maybe three in the last few years. Are you so, still watching every game? Uh, I'd love to tell you yes. Uh, I am still reading recaps of every game. Okay. How many are we doing uh, yeah. here right now? How many yeah. am I reading? No. How uh, many games are you watching? At, like, leave Matthew like Tynan out games. of this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, full games a year. I'm probably watching maybe, maybe 10, which oh, isn't wow. terrible. Yeah. It's way down. That's way down. way down of what I would have guessed. I mean, they've been rough the last couple of years, but I still I, would not have pegged that. Oh, well, I, I think this year I cut it, cut it in half. So yeah, <laughs> it, might have been, it might've been 20 the year before. Cause you knew like trade mm. pre preseason trade middle of the year you just kind of knew like what they were going for you were like jennifer and... jennifer hold on y'all can put a post up come in here <laughs> oh check... wait wait check this out uh they just signed a guy uh i i i, I thought the name was fake general general genuinely like mm. uh, at the end of the season um i, I can't even re- repeat his name that's how uh that's how much they really have you learned how to for. pronounce devin Bissell yet I have not. I don't know how to spell it, but I yeah. know. <laughs> I, I always lose track if it's one or two L's. I don't know if it's Vassell um, either. Like I've said that, but I'm like, I think it's Vassell or Vassell. I just, I've seen it. I can spell it, but I like, I'm also going to point out, I haven't watched enough full Spurs games to hear it enough to be like, that's probably what it is. Like I've, that's, that's one of the things I'm excited about is, you know, there were flashes. Mm-hmm. Vassell uh, had a great season. So, and another guy who's, yeah. Uh, pronunciation of his name has almost no relation to the spelling. <laughs> he, uh, classic spur. He, yeah. he had a really good season, especially doing the one handed free throws. And, um, but all those guys, I think needed somebody else to make the interconnection make sense. So mm. I'm actually really, I, I'd imagine if I only watched 10 games last season, it'll probably be way higher this season. Yeah. Well, mm. speaking of Victor Wimbignana, so that's, uh, a couple of reasons I want to have you on is you're a, one of my favorite people from the blogosphere. Um, and, uh, just having an opportunity for us to talk and check in is obviously great. And mm-hmm. number two, though, things are really good. Like this is exciting for you. Like you have Victor Wimbignana coming into the fold. And I just imagine, like, I remember Caleb, and this is probably why it still stings. Like I know exactly where I was when the Hawks drafted Luka Doncic. Like, I can tell you exactly where I was, what I was doing, what I did, what I yelled at mm-hmm. a certain bar in Atlanta. I could tell you the whole night. I could tell you the whole night. Like, I can tell you the five minutes after when it became clear that he was going to get traded. Oh. I, the whole night, I, it's just etched in my mind. Like, I could tell you all about it. Um, I have, like, PTSD from the Luca trade. And I just can only imagine what it was like for Victor Wimbignana because... I was all in on Luca. I was so excited. He was taken from me, and I'll never recover. 
However, yeah. <laughs> I don't think you're in that spot here. I don't think they're going to trade back for Scoot Henderson. It doesn't strike me as that being the case. No. So walk me through draft lottery night for you, Caleb. Like, what were you doing? Were you pacing? How, were, how did you approach draft night? And how did you approach just as the picks are coming out? Walk me through the whole situation in the science household. I'll never forget it. Uh, I, we, I didn't watch it at home, actually. We went uh-huh. to... Uh, it was a great brewery in town called uh, Free Tail. Mm. Went with my friend Austin, and I, I, I think people were excited, but people were uh, really not wanting to get their hopes up. And mm. you like anytime you talk about it a week or two before, people are like, I don't know. And you had uh, you know my my friend Trevor, uh, forty eight minutes of hell crew. He would mm. he would run the the uh, draft lottery simulations tankathon mm. every day and. Like I think he might have, out of a hundred times, seen the Spurs get the number one pick a handful mm. of times. So it's just everybody's expectations were really tempered, and yet uh, at Freetail you could tell there's like people showing up, they're all in their jerseys, but everybody's quiet, which was also odd. Um, so everybody's there, just kind of drinking, and I went with my friend Austin. The fact that there was only two of us at our table also kind of tells you like. I think our friend group was like, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I don't want to go get my hopes up. And, mm-hmm. you know, we get the, you know, uh, Detroit thing happens to us or whatever that might be. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're sitting down and, you know, um, it starts and uh, every envelope you can hear it in the room. Like, okay, all right, 12, not us. All right, 11, 10. And everybody's getting excited, you know. Mm-hmm. And I would say right around when it got to seven and it wasn't us, people started to like stand up and mm-hmm. around this bar and, you know, watch it. And uh, when it got to that fifth one and Detroit flipped, everybody went nuts. We have a top four pick. Like mm-hmm. for some reason that was like the cutoff. Like we have a top four pick mm-hmm. and then they go to commercial. And at that point, everybody's pacing and I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm, what little hair I have left is in danger. I'm just, mm-hmm. I, I can't help it, you know? And, um, I'd say short of, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but short of that uh, Charlotte moment, when we got back from commercial and that fourth envelope opened and it was Houston, that is almost as good a feeling as my dog barks. That is almost as good a feeling as getting number one is Houston not getting a top They were pick. more upset than I think Spurs fans were happy about winning the draft. Twitter was a nightmare for the Houston fans. They were apoplectic about that whole situation. I I can't tell you how many uh how many times I watched the clip of uh there's a group of like uh three bloggers. I can't I wish I could remember the name of the Houston blog, uh Rockets blog, but I try to read um follow functioning teams so i haven't read it much uh this year but uh they they uh they're watching it live and they're like please not number 12 please please and then they get to to five and they're like uh come on san antonio and the envelope opens it's detroit and then when it opens they're so mad but then they keep going they're like okay not san antonio of course you know the story three opens Mm -hmm. it's portland honestly i was pretty excited for portland i think it's awesome a lot of questions in the off season but good for them but when that second envelope opened, I mean, you could see it. Like mm. Peter Holt Jr. was like, "Let's go, baby!" And they hadn't even barely <laughs> announced. They didn't even get Charlotte Hornets out. You know, yeah. Uh, the the bar I was at absolutely 
erupted. People were hugging. They were embracing mm. strangers mm. like like somebody had announced the end of World War II. I mean, yeah. uh, we're jumping. We're screaming. This older lady at the bar, for some reason, made a beeline to hug me. Never. She turned around and left. I mean, it was just that moment. Did, she, did so, you accept it? I, I, I It wasn't like a, I had a chance to. She was yeah. shorter, too. So I just mm. I was like, turned around. I was like, mm. but but that was happening all over the room. I, I mean, I, I couldn't, I, I yelled so much. I, I really had trouble talking the next day. Night buddy. That's my son. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> uh, hey, Is he I really going to bed though? Thing. Is he going to do the tunes for the next hour and a half? He wants to come say hi. You want to come say hi? This so is the first of the podcast. Guest. Oh, Hey, that's Mr. Chase. He's saying hi. I got the earphones in. Oh yeah. You Can can't you hear hi? me. Hi. This is Leland. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey Leland. Say, how are you? Say, go Spurs, go. Go Spurs, go. There we go. All right. That is what we like. Is, is Wimby going to be your favorite player? Number one, Wimby? Yeah, you're going to be as tall as him? Oh, sure. We'll see. Oh, All right. There you Good go. Night, buddy. Night. Incredible. Bye. The first father-son appearance guest. on this program. It's like LeBron and Brian. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm almost the same age. So there you go. <laughs> um night isn't it weird to hear uh, anyway. how people talk about these older players and you're like i'm that age like that i can't even talk about like he's so old and so washed and you're like i'm three years older than this person like this, that's that's phase two of uh realizing you're old as an nba fan phase one is when you're cheering for somebody and you're like this guy's awesome mm-hmm. man i loved i love this guy and you look at his age and he's 22 and you're mm-hmm. like oh i'm 12 years old like or i or now I'm like, yes, Wembenyama, I could literally be his dad. That yeah. is a weird, weird feeling. Like so. Hal Corver Jr. when he enters the league, whenever that is, will just be, oof, oof. That's, uh, that's very odd. Uh, I mean, you know, it'll it'll be really interesting, not this summer, next summer when we draft Bronny and LeBron comes over. I mean, that's going to be quite a, quite a team. Um, anyway, so mm. we're cheering. It's amazing. And uh, even there, like at, at the at the bar, mm. we're getting questions. Like people are just talking. Like, oh, what should they do? I mean, it starts right away. Mm. Um, and you hear people saying, oh, they can go to the playoffs right away. And other people saying like, no, they should try and be bad again for a pick. And so I, I felt like everybody had these thoughts about what could be, but nobody was saying them out loud, almost like, a, you know, a superstition. And then it happened. Mm. And it's like, yes, we can finally talk about it. So it still it still feels so crazy, and then all the stories came out the next day about behind the scenes, and you you feel bad for Detroit, and you feel really bad for Washington, who apparently had an incredible opportunity. There was you don't like, feel bad for Detroit. They had Kate Cunningham two years ago. They've been. I don't feel bad for the teams that have had it or been right there or have just been horrific for year over year. Like you just you don't get to keep doing this. Like you don't just yeah. keep to keep you don't keep getting this good luck. I don't I don't like it and doing nothing with it. Like, I think Victor's going to be awesome in San Antonio. Do I think he would have been awesome in, San- in Detroit? Ah, have yeah, my doubts. In Houston, not. have my doubts. Oh, I, I think, he, I think, you know, for all the people who uh, don't love San Antonio, I think everybody agrees this is probably the best scenario for him as a player, yeah. maybe long term. I saw the other, the other like undercurrent mm. in San Antonio, of course, is like, okay, he's tall, he's lanky. What's the injury possibility like, mm. right? Like, do we draft a, a another Greg Oden? Um, I heard a lot of people mention that. And we were trying to, yesterday, a friend of mine uh, and I were talking about, like, 
what what catastrophic thing would have to happen for us not to pick him at number one? And I don't even I don't even think at this point a major injury would prevent us from drafting mm-hmm. him at number one. Like if he, God forbid, tore his Achilles uh, in the off season, I still think they'd pick him mm-hmm. at number one. You know, um, but but I get the hesitation like what maybe you know what's the statistic like guys who are over seven feet tall none i mean of you just look at why Yao Ming retired and guys like that i mean it's like junis ogalskis had two broken foots uh joel and yeah. had two broken foots um yeah it's just it's common for guys like that yeah. Chet Holmgren obviously just broke his foot before this past year and missed all of this year so it's a possibility but you also look like sure. you can get over it or it you might it might happen once early but then you move past it. They've just come such a long way that, like, I think what will always be common is guys don't last like twenty years at that size yeah. with the way the NBA is played now. Because you're moving, so, you're, there's so many more possessions. It's so much faster. Tempo's so much higher that, like, I don't think you're going to be able to do a Tim Duncan type twenty year run for Victor. Mm-hmm. But do I think he could be an elite All NBA MVP type for like twelve years? Yeah, I think that's yeah. possible. Well, well, the stat I think is no. No player over seven one or some mm. over seven two has ever played more than nine hundred games in the NBA, huh. which sounds kind of wild. I could be wrong; it's somewhere around there. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's what uh, eleven seasons. Like, yeah. Well, it depends on the playoff runs. Yeah, that that is true. Uh, which obviously we're going to have a ton of those. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think. But you also just go reason. down that road. He's the best player. Like, right. like, just if it doesn't work out, no one's going to be like, man, what were you thinking taking the right. best prospect since LeBron? Like, that's not a not a thing. Just You just do yeah. it. No. Uh, I, I, I do think that my one other thing, just to rub it in Houston fans' uh, faces one more time, mm-hmm. the thing that I thought was so funny, uh, one of the broadcasts had a camera on him mm-hmm. as the envelopes are opening. And when they opened Houston at fourth, you can see him and Cameron mm-hmm. looking at his buddy. And he's like, like mm-hmm. he was like so happy yeah. not to go to Houston. And Everybody uh, knows, <laughs> apparently. Everyone knows. Nobody wants to play there. Well, I mean, it's never um, good when it comes out like middle of the season that the coach like was brought to tears because of how unfun and unsuccessful it was and what it was like day right. in, day out. Like that's that takes a lot for that to get out. Like if that that's like man, uh well, that sounds like a terrible place to go. It sounds like everything will be really calm though this season, uh when you when you have Ime Udoka coaching and James Harden and James, coming in. And James Harden led mm-hmm. team. Like those those personalities seem to fit really, really well. So it's it's great. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna work out. I, I don't. No. I, the, the Rockets. I'm are happy. Mess. Um, hey, at least they'll get the number one pick next year in a yeah. really shallow draft. So that's great. Good for them. How does, I do like uh, Shangun though? Yeah. yeah well, good. how does Victor good. fit with uh, Sokan? Uh, what? Why am I saying Sokan? I, I'm so so I because it's spelled like that. Yeah, but it, it's pronounced Sohan. Right? Sohan. I, I like I just said it. I'm like I always look at it. And I'm like Sohan. Sohan um how does he fit Keldon johnson devin vassell like how does victor fit with this group right away so i think um go, coming into the uh off season like even before the draft the there's a lot of areas of need obviously the team's terrible mm. but it feels like the wing situation is waiting for some kind of center of gravity mm. and so you were thinking like one or two pick obviously women amazing but if we got the number two pick 
Scoot could be a center of gravity. Um, we just don't have one. We've got good players, good role players, guys who could potentially uh, take the next, take the leap. I think Vassell is is a guy who could take that leap. He was really, really had uh, a lot of things to show last season that he didn't the season before. Mm. Um, I mean, just uh, I, I think they were waiting for somebody to kind of make them fit, make mm. the pieces make sense. Um, like I said, a, a, a point guard who can who can not only run the floor but actually create his own shot and, and be the point of attack could help all those things fit into place. And I love Jones, excellent backup point guard. I really hope they keep him. I think they will, mm. but I don't. I don't think he's the guy to lock all that in. Uh, Women Yaba gives them a very clear center of gravity, uh, in the sense of obviously he's the the focal point of what the team's going to build on from here on out. But, but from an offense and, and uh, from a, a defensive perspective, I think he's really that, that, that piece that makes everything else make sense. Now that said, um, I don't know if they, I mean, seven foot five. So, I mean, functionally I'll be the center, mm-hmm. but I, 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 Sohan another year older can play kind of an enforcer role. I still don't know that he's big enough to, to bang around defensively with some of the big centers. Um, obviously, Wembenyama uh, is rail thin. Um, mm. He's also 19. I, I saw this tweet that was going around. Um, I just feel old saying that. I saw this tweet that was going around. But uh, somebody had a – it was probably Rockets fan, disgruntled, had a, some clips of Wembenyama, and they were like, oh, I can't wait to see Giannis and Embiid just brutalize this guy in the paint. And I'm like – that. Yeah, I can't wait for these thirty-year-old dudes to just dominate this teenager. Like when you say it that way, like, well, yeah, of course. So I also, think he's not really going to be in the paint like that. That man's going to be shooting threes. He's going to be and, way out. And that's there. the other thing. Yeah, he's going to make those dudes gassed. Mm. Um, so, so more than likely, um, it works both ways, right? Like I don't know that uh, Embiid's going to be guarding him on the on the you know on the wings or trying to keep up with him on the bounce. Like he's that's what makes him special, you know. Mm. Um, so I, I think they should prioritize uh, pairing him with somebody who's going to play that more enforcer role and kind of save his body a little bit over the course of the season and free him up to to roam a little more. I do think he's going to get a lot of minutes as maybe the lone big man with Sohan at the four, but the guy I'd love to see them sign in the offseason um, is, is like Nas Reed, I think would be mm. fun next to him. Um Zach Collins was actually really good at the end of last season, like shockingly good, but it's hard to tell how much of an aberration that was towards mm-hmm. the end of the season. Cause somebody had to play, but he really was good the whole season, especially the, the last few months. But I think you have your pieces, right? Like if you mm-hmm. have, uh, you know, you can see it in a couple of years, Wembenyama, Sohan, Vassell, uh, possibly Keldon, uh, but then you're playing him at like, you know, him and Vassell interchangeably at the wings, but then That's you need okay. a point guard. Yeah, I think it's okay too. Although this is heresy among Spurs fans, but I, I'm fine with trading Keldon. Yeah, uh, I I like Keldon. Um, he makes sense with this roster, but he makes sense with a lot of rosters. And this is the year to, uh, you know, a team that doesn't want a top ten pick. This would be a great year to, to kind of let Keldon roam and see what a guy like Malachi Brandon might have at the at the two and. Then you save some money, and you could also sign somebody like Van Vliet because uh, I think you need. I like Van you, Vliet there. 
like he'd be too. fun and like obviously you have the money and like i i think he would have an opportunity to really to really shine with this group and i think that'd be good like you want a good ball handler and i think you want a veteran for victor to make it easier yep. to pick and pop and you don't 100%. want to just be um trey jones and uh <laughs> just a collection and just put it like it, it you don't want to be in that spot i also wonder though like i think it's orlando ultimately what happens i think orlando and san antonio do something because you got Markel, you got Jalen Suggs, you got Cole Anthony, you've got dude after dude after dude. It's just a really crowded backcourt, and they're going to have another lottery pick. Like, you could just see a scenario where it's just too many young mouths to feed. And, like, maybe yeah. it's Keldon, maybe it's somebody else, but I would not be surprised if one of uh, the backcourt uh, figureheads in Orlando ultimately finds their way. Like, I think Markel would be a fine stopgap, too. Like, if you trade, yeah. I don't think it would cost Keldon, but, like, I think there are options and they need more shooting. Maybe it's Doug McDermott. Like you do something like that yeah, to just yeah, fill yeah. a need. So he's expiring yeah. too, I think. Right. Or does he have two? It's a good question. I think, up. I thought he had one more, but I could be wrong. Maybe a player option or something. I'm not no, sure. Off the top of my yeah. Head. Expiring next summer. I know yeah. he's got one, at least one more. In deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, we have other, other pieces, right? I mean, Devonte Graham had a decent season mm. uh, last year. I know he's still in the books. Um, they, that's the, the, the maybe the the second best part about drafting Wembenyama, other than drafting Wembenyama, it's like mm. now all of a sudden we have a ton of flexibility. We yeah. can we can try and be good right away. Um, I that's the hard part, right? It's like predicting. Um, somebody's like, oh, it's the Spurs. They're going to rest him a ton, and he won't. He probably won't play a bunch. And I don't think that's true. What that's one of the worst things you could do with the number one pick. It's like, hey, we're going to rest you a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and put your chances at winning the most important award for a first year player in jeopardy. Like they're not going to do that. Yeah. They're gonna they're gonna do their best to feature him, and figure out uh, where he is on the stage of development as a player, but also where they're at uh, developmentally as a team. And so I think I think playing is a realistic possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean that feels like a stretch, but some of the teams that were in the mix were just. <laughs> bad um mm. and some of the teams that made the playoffs i mean who knows how many games morant gets suspended not that they yeah. drop out but um windows like that can kind of level out you know yeah. numbers whatever I mean, four through year. ten it's possible yeah. um i heard i heard them uh no dunks they were they were saying uh why not just suspend him at least the amount of time to disqualify for all nba teams in award consideration oh because then it then it costs them money um, a great deal, which might be the case. Um, but anyway, and then you have Jaron Jackson, who's been pretty much, it has been injury prone. To the, like you can easily see a scenario where the Memphis situation spirals out of control. Like people forget, like that just like a healthy Zion. The Pelicans were number one in the West at the time. Like if he's healthy, are they the best team in the West going into next year? Like I think it's so easy to overlook just health and what some of these teams look like when they're at full strength because it's just things can change on a dime in the West. It's so topsy turvy all across the board. And you're, I mean, you're watching it right now. I mean, the, yeah. nobody would have guessed the Lakers, but um, great picks. I think you bring up something really interesting, though. Um, this is not just true of sports teams. I think it's true of many uh, kinds of endeavors. It's true of businesses. I, I'm trying to plant a church. I'm realizing talking to friends is the same thing. Mm-hmm. One of the worst things potentially to happen to you is to have a monumental amount of success very early on mm. because you can very quickly overreact to it. Um, and you see that in sports all the time, like, Oh, we have something here. Let's go for it. 
mm. all at once. Forget developmental stuff. Like, let's just see what we can stack here. Um, and the problem with that is it's a it's a obviously high reward, but it's also mm. a high risk scenario. And so what I the worst case I think would be for the Spurs to be really good uh, right away, not because we we all don't want that, but because if that's because of injuries or suspensions or this weird window where suddenly they get to go for a, you know, surprise everybody in the playoffs, maybe even win a series. Mm. It's very easy to overreact uh, to that. Now that said, I don't, the, the guys they have on the team now are, the contracts are fantastic. And so they, they can still maintain a ton of cap flexibility, even throwing, throwing a bag at Van Vliet. Or I, I heard some people mention Brooke Lopez, like, why don't you go after a, uh, a vet that can help you now uh, can play in a similar style to Wembenyama, but everybody I've heard mentioned Brooke has mentioned it from like a coaching perspective. Show him the ropes, and I'm like, hey, uh, all three of the big three are going to be in the gym all the time in San Antonio coaching mm. this guy. So um, I don't know that that coaching is going to be such a um, a key component of finding a vet at least as far as another big to roam next to him i think you really just find somebody you can spot up and and bully uh bully down there so i am curious because like i wonder what this does for pop's timeline where yeah does he just Uh, i I think it's funny when people like look at pop i'm like if he's you just look at saban you look at what happened with bear Bryant after he retired you look at uh Mm -hmm. joe paterno you look at different dudes all across the board retirement is just it's, I think, scary for a lot of these guys because it's so all-consuming and so much wrapped up in their identity and what they do day in, day out that, like, taking that away, I think it's scary. Like, I, I've mm-hmm. talked to my dad about it, and it's it's one of those things where I, I, if you don't do it right, retirement can get very unhealthy very quickly, and it can just – it can be really, really tough. And it's like Popovich is like, I love coaching, and if y'all will have me, I'm just going to keep coaching. Like, it's my passion yeah. and – why not? So I wonder if this extends his his time a little bit longer than he would have had they not landed the number one overall pick. I, I'm very curious to see what his timeline is now. Yeah, I, I on the one hand, it's hard because I, I mean, I can you think of an NBA example of, uh, you know, Sloan maybe retiring? Even that felt a little late, right? Yeah. Like, um, I mean, who else in the modern era can you think about? Phil Jackson. Uh, Phil Jackson. Phil, yeah. That was even that didn't end no in a way that no that was like and it was a different team than any of the ones that he was you know had championships success with so i there is that fear of like nobody's gonna tell pop to leave mm. um he's earned their right but i will say on the oh can we do a fun side, trivia fact on this by the way yeah i think yeah, this yeah, is gonna it, blow it. your mind it, how many it. years apart would you guess pete carroll who is the oldest head coach in the nfl is from the oldest head coach in the nba and uh greg popovich pete carroll so pete carroll i know isn't he a 9-11 truther i feel like that's a very generational uh <laughs> conspiracy theory so mm-hmm. i want to say there's at least 15 years between them three he's 71 no way okay that that blew my mind. Well, is that see, not wild looks, to see the two yeah, of them? Like Pete Carroll's out here smacking gum, chewing up. Like you would guess he's like he's been fifty-seven for like thirty years, but seventy-one. Yeah, he's only 
He's only coaching 16 games. Pop season, is out but... here looking like he's, we're a year away from Pop, like doing like with the with a bathrobe, like really getting cozy, like doing a weighted blanket on the bench. Like this man is getting cozier and cozier and just like enjoying his wine, having he's just he's, so he's having a good we time. Have, we have a we have two dogs now. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you had two. To, yeah, one of them was just trying to hop on me. We uh, fostered this dog and mm-hmm. uh, we ended up adopting it for my daughter's birthday. Mm-hmm. Now our, our old dog that we've had, um, it's been on the podcast, the chase Thomas podcast mm-hmm. with me on occasion. Uh, what was he's his still name? Kicking Selick. Uh, Selick. That's right. Cause he had the mustache. Schnauzer. Yes. Yeah, yeah. How old is he now? So he turned, uh, 13 this year. Oh, good for this, him. This new dog we have is, uh, like two years old. Okay. And so, uh, Selick probably, Maybe six months ago, we thought, man, we might not get another Christmas with this dude. He's just old, you know? Mm. Um, and so we were like, man, I don't know about bringing a second dog into the house. Like, he, he I mean, he's, he's pretty cantankerous for an old dog, <laughs> you know? Is he going to like it? And uh, the opposite has happened, like, completely. It, it's like, he's still old, but it, we feel like it's knocked a year or two off of his age, you know? Mm-hmm. He's, and part of it is, uh, this this is where the analogy that you can tell I'm going going mm-hmm. with kind of breaks down a little bit, but he's got uh, more people paying attention to him now. In in a weird way, it was one dog for four people, but now because there's like sibling rivalry with my kids, like both dogs are getting a lot of attention. Interesting. And yeah, so it's just that that in in injection of youth mm. has also made him. He's running around the house more. He's eating a lot more. Um, I wonder if. Uh, for all the the questionable coaching decisions, maybe in the last few years, as they, you know, the organization is trying to figure out what to do, or even the organizational personnel decisions, um, I wonder if this like is the perfect thing to give him just a couple more years mm-hmm. of like excitement and energy. And the other thing is like, if he's as good as as uh, he appears to be. And there are that many people around him organizationally to coach. Like Pop might have, in some ways, less to do than he's had to do in a long yeah. time. You know, if you got Tim Duncan running sets and practice with Wembenyama, you know, mm. and, and Parker and Ginobili helping too, he, uh, like he might have a lighter year than he has, uh, just kind of managing things a little bit, a little bit differently, and also winning is its own injection of energy too. So, I mean, can you imagine if like Budenholzer goes back to San Antonio is like it, just in I'd a role it. where he's like, I'm just going to take the head coach and waiting where it's like, that's part of the deal. If I do come back, like, cause he was a long assistant 20 years. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. That'd be a cool he story. Might, he might come back even without that expectation. I mean, pop yeah. loves doing that. Um, guys, cause who, Brett or, Brown's back, right? Isn't he lead assistant? I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. And Monty came back for a little bit yeah. too. I don't know that he was on the bench, but he had a role, uh, organizationally so they that wouldn't surprise me at all if uh if bud found his way his way back so there you go um which honestly there's a lot of uh you know fair criticisms of bud but i'm really surprised that doc is about to get another job before bud does but that's a whole whole other thing yeah um i want to do this to and we should do this for all the pods let's do it i want you to end it I wish I could turn on the music, but you know what I'm talking about. At 11.56 at a church service. And the music's coming on, and you know, you you haven't looked at your watch, and you're like, oh, the sermon's wrapping up. 
Caleb, yeah, I want to yeah. see if you can take us away as a pastor from this very program. How would you like, just pretend you can even do the music too, if you want to do it as we're wrapping up here. Um, Cause I think there's a, this could be a really fun way of closing out a podcast. Yeah. I've never done this. I think this could be fun. How much time do I have? Uh, I mean, what do you think you can do? How okay. long do you need? Well, every, every pastor goes twice as long as they say. So give me 60 seconds and I'll okay. take a couple. Yeah. I might, I might take a couple minutes. Okay. Okay. So in Acts chapter one, mm-hmm. Jesus tells the disciples, you will be my witnesses in mm-hmm. the world. You know, and I was thinking of, of it this year, you know, San Antonio was talking about the women Yaman use. And I was telling somebody, we did it. We did it. Mm-hmm. And they said, we did it. The truth is we didn't do anything. <laughs> we were observers. But you see, when Jesus mm-hmm. says, you'll be my witnesses, mm-hmm. he's not talking about observing from the sidelines. Mm-hmm. He's talking about participation. Mm-hmm. He's talking about a catalytic demonstration of the spirit-filled life. Mm-hmm. He's talking about putting a jersey on and getting out there. <laughs> <laughs> so will you be witnesses to what he's done for you? Or will you be content with recaps and observation? Go in peace. Boom. That was like that was like a minute, maybe a minute and a half. That was good. It's yeah. a gift. That's it. It's a problem, but <laughs> it's a gift. <laughs> I, I love that. Uh, that's great. Cause I wonder how many, like, you know, like here in the Southeast, like you see it and like growing up, um, I would hear it where it's just, inter- it's, it's just funny. Cause like, you know, so many Spurs things are going to just come up now. Like how many churches put on their, on their sign outside? Like how many puns could they, like all the marketers at every church in San Antonio was like, how do we play off Victor Wimbignana to close our message? How do we do this? Every youth group, if they mm. didn't end with it, they started with it. Yeah. Um, which I can confess, I might have used a similar analogy in a talk last week. So I love that. Uh, Look at Caleb over here. Just you know embrace good it. At this too. Mm. As uh, Jason Gallagher is really good at this stuff. Too. Yeah. Uh, he grew up in the similar environment. So yeah. You have to have grown up in it to know. Like, it's just, oh, yeah. I know. Yeah. Like, you, you just, grow up in it yeah. and you just, the music comes down and you just, you're, it gets very serious after that. It, it's just, the there's path. a weird, yeah. Mm-hmm. You just know it's that one note, that one mm-hmm. chord. Feels like you're floating in space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you really want a great laugh, uh, look up uh, fail, uh, alter call failures on YouTube. Okay. Some of the funniest clips you will ever see in your entire life. Uh, it's I my nightmare. That. So, yeah. There you go. Caleb, I don't know how to apply Like, everyone in San Antonio, where can they go to find you right now? Outside of, uh, uh, you know, just like janitor's closets at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still around on mm. Instagram, um, Twitter, Caleb J. Signs. Uh, mm. I don't know. This might be the year I try and write something again. I know the okay. Tynan's, Tynan's got a great sub stack, the 48 mm. Minutes Hell crew. We still keep up. Actually, we, we still message. A lot. Awesome. I love that. Um, Blogs yeah, are yeah, gone so and the young kids don't understand that we no, grew up on don't. the True Hip Network and all of those things. Like it was just so good. There's no Zach Lowe, by the way, folks, without Celtics up. There's no That's true. There's no so many just there's important no Mahoney figures without there. was he was he Mavs Moneyball? Mahoney? Who? Uh Rob Mahoney? Yes. Uh, Rob Mahoney was so. definitely. And then I mean Jonathan Sharks, uh our old friend. Yeah. Oh um, man. Just I miss yeah. our text because he would just hit me up and he would uh, I love Charks and, uh, he, um, 
Yeah, he's amazing, man. He just his strength and uh, I don't know. It gets me emotional just thinking about it because it just it just sucks. Yeah. Um, all of it. But he and I would text, and he was just so low key. He was the most anti clout person who was so good at his job that you would find he just wanted to write and talk about basketball and sports and yeah. life. And yeah. he would just message me. He'd be like. Are they gonna trade John Collins? It'd be like a, it'd be like seven thirty in the morning. I thought, like, you know, I just have those texts. I'd be like, Charks just popped out of nowhere. He would just text. He just wanted to know. He's just curious. What are... Hey, those are those are dad hours right there. Yeah, bro. those are you'll you'll get there, man. You'll know. Yeah, but I like shout out to Charks and his family yeah, and um, all the guys. I've been this the True Hoop Network as a whole. Like it was it was a good time. Like you and I, we're not doing this podcast. It brought so many people all yep. across the country together, and I wish more and more blogs were popping back up now so that folks could uh build the next wave because hey, it's man. fun you're keeping the fire alive chase That's i am keeping the fire you're keeping alive. the fire alive dude. but we're all getting older yeah. like we're all That's true. <laughs> we're all in our 30s now it's just so weird to think about yeah. hey 30 30s are the new 30s are like the like the prime okay mm-hmm. we, we we had more time we used more words in our 20s but yeah in our 30s we're picking our spots like we we know what we're doing now so yeah, absolutely you're crushing it man keep crushing it thank you and you as well uh do you want to say yeah. where the the new church so for the local san antonians yeah. where can they go it's, find you it's called the garden mm-hmm. I, I did i'd swear i didn't intend to oh my goodness shirt. that oh, oh no um mm-hmm. i i also designed it uh, anyway the uh it's called the garden uh-huh. or, uh you can find us the garden sa dot org and that's the garden essay for san antonio not like the garden essay <laughs> and uh <laughs> i know what you're talking about do people think that oh my god uh, no but it's fun to say it that way for the most part um we our public launch date is uh pro- tentatively but the oh, there he is. i'm here of course that's what i get for trying to plug no you're okay uh yeah september 17th mm-hmm. that's when we think we're launching but you're if you want to find out more about us the garden SA.org. Is it really September seventeenth? Uh, yeah, so it's my we anniversary. It's when I got married last year. Really? Yeah, oh, September seventeenth. Awesome. I guess I'll fly all down. How how is that? By the way, like you're married? married, man. That's amazing. I love being married. That's amazing. But I would tell people, like, look, don't rush it. Like I waited exactly. till I was thirty-one. Mm-hmm. But it's just when you find the right person, you find the right person. If that person's at twenty-two, twenty-seven, forty-two, it's just I I don't encourage if you you don't if it's not the right person so like i never had a doubt like i yeah. it's just it's been yeah. great but like yeah. it had to be the right person so i mm-hmm. i love being married to my wife yeah. but there's a lot of people who are like i just i want to get married and it's like ah, that's not right. a good reason that's not what you want to do it shouldn't feel like so any true. type of it just should feel natural organic and you're like this is exciting this is fun yeah like do you enjoy spending time with this person each and every day do you make uh does she make you better do you make her better Mm-hmm. do you uh do you enjoy just hanging out on the couch like do you enjoy yeah. spending time with this person because at the very end of the day even with kids and everything else it will eventually come down just to the two of you and yeah uh, yeah that's a, yeah, that's a big deal can you be silent next yes. to that person that's a that's like a huge test mm-hmm. um but it's it's real I, i'd say kids are the same way man like we yeah. we waited we were married for four years five years mm-hmm. before we had kids and then we waited another five years between kids so it's like Time's all relative, man. Um, but there's, it's there's no right answer. Just do what you're right. comfortable with. And mm-hmm. uh, but when you marry the right person, it's it's pretty great. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm happy to see you happy, Chase. That is very very cool. So. Yeah, happy things for uh, happy is good. Uh, yes. Find the happy, find the joy, 
and uh, embrace it. And when you find the right person, just uh, love's a special thing. And when you find yeah. it, hold on to it, do what you can, and then you get to be really cool and wear a cool yeah, wedding ring. That's awesome. Just, yeah. yeah, it's great. I feel yeah. old every time I look down. I'm like, I'm <laughs> like, I just, I always would look at my dad's growing up and be like, man, this ring. And I'm like, I just never saw myself. I'm like, that was like a symbol of, um, I'm definitely old enough to have a ring. Like, it's just, yeah, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. old enough to be a married man. I'm a ring guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a ring guy now. Uh, I have a wife. Yeah. You say it all. And they're like, I'm a husband. That's just, it's older, but it's wild. It's, it's wild. age appropriate. And you don't feel like it should be age appropriate at this point where you're like, ew, what? Uh, I'm not oh, there dude. yet. Oh, yeah. you're, you're talking to guys becoming his dad more and more every oh, day. Every day. I'm Every obsessed with, with Bosch right now. It's I like, love Bosch. Bosch Legacy Bosch is so great. Have you? I'm, I'm only three seasons into oh, Bosch right now. Oh, it's so much fun. Bosch is fantastic. I've been Bosch pilled. My dad recommended it enough times. Yeah, and now Bosch like, is great. Mm-hmm, it's a great time. It's mm-hmm. a fun way to spend an hour. Like he, That's exactly right. Yeah, it's good. Caleb mm-hmm. Signs, always a pleasure. Let's not make it like six years before we yeah, uh, reconnect. Let's do it again. Spots. Let's yeah. do it again very soon. Let's do uh, it. When we, yeah, yeah. It'll be a great off season. We'll do it again. We'll do it. Caleb, thank you. And I'll talk to you very soon. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.